if you would like to uh, follow with me, I'm just going to um, read from two psalms to begin with. The first is Psalm 23, which many of you may know very well, and then the second is Psalm 121. Psalm 23. So starting from the first verse, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then Psalm 121. And again, starting verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And so I, hi- I wanted to highlight and start with these two psalms, particularly because uh, the theme that we're looking at this term is God speaks, and particularly this morning looking at God speaking in the valleys and in and on the mountains. And so the reason I highlighted both that is we have the valley of the shadow of death, uh, but here we also have um, in Psalm 121 the sense of looking up to the hills, looking up to the mountains. That is where our help comes from. It's a uh, a representation of the place of where the Lord dwells. Uh, and I wanted to begin uh, this morning just kind of picking apart the valley and the mountain a little bit before I share my own story kind of woven through that just to kind of bring a little bit of um, context and understanding uh, to what that means. Uh, so one of the things I first wanted to mention was that uh, often I think within Christian circles, particularly in the UK, I think we're good at doing this, I hear a lot of us often talk about the desert periods of times or being in the wilderness, um, and often we seem to shy away from talking about the mountaintop experiences or the, or the moments when we're on the mountain with God. And I first wanted to say both are just as important and just as equal. God is no different on the mountain to in the valley. His presence is just as known and is just as real in both both places. But one of the things I think that we do do get with talking about the valley is I think there's a real understanding that it's a place often where we are at the end of ourselves, where we uh, maybe feel our strength has come to an end point or we just have no idea how to keep going or what to do in the situation. So we almost have to completely rely on God in those times, completely trust him. And so I think often our stories uh, of the valley times tell more of what God is doing because we are 
we are realizing how much more we are having to rely on him in those times. But I also think equally we can have those same experiences on the mountaintop. We probably wouldn't be on the mountaintop if it wasn't for God's presence uh, leading us there. Uh, and so the first thing I, I wanted to mention was that God, it is the Lord that drives us both onto the mountain and into the wilderness and the valley. He is the one who does both. His love drives us onto the mountaintops to proclaim who he is and to declare his gospel truth. So I don't know about you, but when I've encountered and experienced the Lord moving in my life, which I'll share a couple of experiences of, I have to tell people. I can't, I can't not tell people. So I go to my very atheist dad and I'm like, dad, Jesus healed me. And he's like, oh, sure, cool. This, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some other explanation, but I have to tell him. I can't stay silent about it. I'm driven to the mountaintop by the Lord. I'm in that experience because his presence and love has driven me there. And all I can do is declare about the goodness and the love of God. And it's in doing that that we are also declaring his good news and who he is. Because we are telling the world, we are telling our friends um, and the people around us, of the good news of who God is, the God of salvation, the God uh, of healing. His love also drives us into more of him, into the heights and depths of his presence. So if we have been driven into the valley time, it's often in those places that we're really having to dig at wells uh, or the springs just to really encounter and know uh, the trust and the love and the, the safety of God. Similarly, I have experiences of in those moments where of, of feeling that I'm in the desert or the valley, where I'm really having to dig. I'm having to dig away at the wells that the, that the Lord has uh, built into my life, that, of the things that he's already done. And it's in those places that we encounter the depth and an, an increase of his love as well. We see the expanse of what he has done for us. Uh, but one of the things I've also heard plenty of Christians say is that often they have no idea where God is in the desert place or the wilderness. And I can completely understand that and I, I do resonate with that. But I think sometimes what that leads us to say or leads us to conclude is that God's not there. Is that it is almost like an absence um, of God because we're not seeing the fulfillment of maybe the promises which I'll get onto or we've not seen the fulfillment of his presence with us or he feels really distant because we're, we're not encountering his love. But one of the things I'd like to, um, correct with that is that God is the same wherever we are. He says he will be with us to the very end of this age that no matter where we go, east, However far as east is from west, his love is for us, his love is with us. So let's not mark our lives by the absence of him. Rather than thinking about those seasons or those times as God being absent uh, in the dry spells or the difficult times, let's think of where is it that God is meeting us there? Where is it that we are encountering his love in that place? And it probably won't look the same as it will on top of the mountain, but he is there and he will be there just as much as he is on on the mountaintops. Because he's not about to leave us in that place. God is a God who carries us through. He is constantly driving us um, into new territories with him and into new places with him. 
And so he will come in his grace and his love to meet us in those dry places or in the wilderness to then drive us onto the mountain and to pull us out of the desert. Uh, And I think a really good example of this is Jesus himself. And many of us may know the story of his baptism. He has been drawn to the Jordan anyway. He has been driven there, if you like, by God. And God the Father and Holy Spirit encounter him in his baptism in the water. But then what is it that God instantly does? The Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness. So it's not that the wilderness... um, And the difficulty and the pain that we might experience there is God orchestrated. But it's often that in those places of being unsettled and being challenged um, by God, within that, God will meet us in there. But it often throws up so many other things, so many other uh, painful things that God is meeting us in. So it's not that God has orchestrated the bad and orchestrated the difficult that we are experiencing But it's often in those places of the wilderness and the dry that we might experience the attack or we might experience the pain because it comes to the surface or it's more readily accessible. But God is just as big with his grace and his love to come and meet us in that place. And so we see with Jesus in the wilderness, uh, in his time that, that he spent having been driven there, he is encountering Satan. He is on one level, probably encountering some of the worst things that you possibly can encounter. I wouldn't like to imagine what it would be like to to have Satan right there. But there he is, tempting, twisting things, trying to completely scupper the life of Jesus. But Jesus is choosing, nevertheless, to trust in the promise of God. So you see Satan twisting the word of God, and Jesus going, no, this is actually what it is that my father is saying. This is what it is that uh, my my God is doing. And he is standing on the very trust and the promise and the presence of God to lead him through that place and to draw him out of the wilderness. And then we know the rest. We know what Jesus goes on to do in those three years of ministry and what that now means for us to live in that resurrection life. So it is God who both drives us into the wilderness and onto the mountaintops. I think one of the things that we often forget when we are in a wilderness or a, or a desert period um, is the context that we're in post Jesus' resurrection of the church. That we're not only, uh, we're not having to fight things on our own, we're not void and isolated, but we have a church community, people that are filled with God's love, that are God's representatives here on earth today that are there to fight with us, to stand with us, to cry with us, to grieve with us, whatever it might look like in that initial period. And that God, in his sovereignty and in his love, also meets us through the community and the people that he has set us in. And I think, uh, again, Jesus' life is another really good uh, example and testimony uh, of seeing what it means and what it looks like to be placed um, in and around a community of people that got things wrong, so we all get things wrong, but could stand there with him and could love him and could ask for forgiveness, could wrestle the realities of life. So there we go, there's there's the context to this morning of thinking about the valleys and the mountaintops, that it is God that drives us into those places.
And so I really want to think about what that looks like in my own life to kind of bring a bit of context to that for you. But uh, as I was been thinking about that, and I've been thinking about this for a long time because I've done a few talks over the last few months related to this theme of the promises of God, and part of that drew in and has drawn upon my season of being in the valley and being on the mountaintops. So uh, if you've heard bits of this before, I'm not going to apologise for that. I just hopefully it will pull it into more context for you. So um, I came to faith in this very building. Um, it was uh, nearly 12 years ago now that I came to faith. And I came to faith right where that table is. Uh, and we had uh, a man who now leads, um, or is one of the senior pastors at Hillsong in London. He came down and he gave a talk, and I can't really remember what the talk was on, other than he had a blow-up sheep with him, so I'm assuming it was probably something to do with the lost sheep. Um, it goes to show you that sometimes the content of what you're saying doesn't matter, but the, the, the other things, as long, as long as God is moving in that, that's all that matters. And he got to the end of this talk, and I had been coming along to the youth group for about four weeks now, and I had got to that point of coming along for two reasons. One was to spite a friend of mine, and the other was to spite my dad. I thought it killed um, two birds with one stone. (laughs) It did neither. Um, So my friend was, at the time, the vicar's son. He is still a vicar's son, but um, of a different place now. And uh, he had told us about this youth group that he went to, and he told us what I just thought was a bunch of really stupid and and wacky kids. Um, But I also knew that my dad was a staunch atheist, and it was at the time that I really wanted to kick back at him as well. So at age 14, I was like, great, um, I'm going to get back at dad, uh, and I'm also going to get back at my friend who this one week decided not to invite me and to invite some other friends who all said yes So he'd be inviting me for about a year, and I kept saying no. The one week he didn't, I turned up. Um, So it also goes to show that if you are inviting people to Alpha, like it it does work. You might forget to to remind them, and that might be the one thing that makes them go, I know, I'm going to go along to annoy them. It worked for me. Uh, So I came along, and my friend was utterly delighted. The, The first stone didn't work. Um, and after about four weeks of having heard the talks, having seen young people pray and worship and go, there is something very different about this. This isn't just religion. It's not just people doing it because they have to. It is genuinely people out of love and out of a real relationship with this God, praying and worshipping, that we get to the point where I'm sat there and uh, this this guy says... If there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, we're now all going to close our eyes and I'll invite you to stand. And there was everything in me in that moment. It was like a kind of internal voice that I can now kind of work out who it was, but at the time I had no idea. It was, if you don't do this now, you never will. And it was like, okay, right, let's stand. Let's see what happens. And as soon as I stood... My eyes were closed. Everyone else's eyes, well, I assume everyone else's eyes were closed. Um, he led us in this prayer. I prayed it, and I was filled with this warmth. I was filled with this love, and I've not looked back since. That kick-started my, um, my faith journey. And I went home, and I told Dad, and he, he told me it was a two-week phase 
this is 12 years on. Uh, a two-week phase, it definitely wasn't. Uh, and it kick-started a kind of an understanding of what my life had been before and what my life has been since and highlighted for me so many situations and places where God was. So, kind of up to that point, um, I had had a real hunger and appetite to receive something. And a lot of that, for me, was kick-started when I was 11 uh, and my mum died. So, it kind of opened for me a picture of there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be uh, something else. Because as an 11-year-old kind of facing death, up until that point, everything had been nice and cosy. We, we, we do, and understandably, try and protect our, our children and our kids so that they don't have to experience the grief and pain of life until until they're ready, really. And it was, as an 11-year-old, encountering that, seeing that, really got me thinking, there's got to be something more to life than this. It can't just be, you live, you die, and that's it. And uh, during that season, there was a lot of ups and downs. A week after my mum died, my dad's mother died. So there was a, there was a lot of grief uh, and pain in my family at the time. And it grew this hunger and appetite in me for there to be something. So I began to explore, I began to delve into what I thought were spiritual things and what I thought would give context and meaning to life. But I never once thought that Christianity was. Jesus seemed completely unspiritual to me at that time. And because of my experiences as a kid, where we had only gone along to church whenever we were out visiting my grandma, um, it it seemed totally alien to me. So there was a story when I was uh, five years old and we were visiting my grandma in Newcastle, went along to her very high Anglican church, and the vicar was dressed all in his robes and a hat, And it's when I discovered my love for pews, because you can hide from vicars quite easily underneath pews. And he was trying to hand me an Easter egg, that was all. But it seemed so alien and different to me that I I was gone. I couldn't stand being in that place. So I hid under pews to get away from him. And then we repeated it all at Christmas with chocolate coins. Um, So this hunger and this awareness led to me kind of seeing a number of things in my life and situation as as signs. It was almost like it was a a preparation for me to be ready to receive Jesus. Uh, And I can kind of now say, with hindsight, of what it was uh, that God was doing. So... Uh, while I, when I was 12, so it was before I came to know Jesus, but after my mum had died, I had suffered with appendicitis for an entire year, but we didn't know. And it was on the morning of my birthday, so it was about 4am in the morning, I woke up with excruciating pain and I couldn't move, I was completely immobilised. Uh, after about an hour, my dad just decided, we'll, we'll get you into the car and we'll will rush you up to A&E. So that's exactly what they did. And I was lying across the back seat in complete agony. And then this just real peace came and, and entered. The closer we got to the, the hospital, this real peace, kind of as you're there crying out, and I didn't know what I was crying out to, who I was crying out to, this real peace came in. And it wasn't that the pain went away, but kind of the concentration of it, my my awareness of it really diminished and I kind of really encountered this this peace and love. And I had similar uh, other experiences of things like that that I couldn't have explained, I couldn't have put down to kind of any human 
understanding or reason at the time. Uh, and then in my walk with God, I won't get into all these things this morning, but then also seen and encountered God in high moments of healings, prophecies and deliverances, what I've kind of called throne room moments when you really enter into the presence of the Father. And so it was one year at Soul Survivor, I don't know if you, a number of you have heard of that festival, um, where we had, t- we had taken a ho- along a whole bunch of young people. It was a festival really designed at engaging and meeting with the, the next generation, the up-and-coming generation. And it was in this place at Soul Survivor, I'll skip over some of the photos, um, in this place at Soul Survivor where I had a, an incredible encounter with with the Father. So I in, in, entered into this, this vision where uh, I kind of woke up on a beach and it was just as real as I'm seeing and encountering you guys now. I was looking around and it slightly bewildered at what was going on and there was this big marquee tent over on the side of um, of the beach and someone came along and took hold of my hand and at the time I had no kind of recollection of what was going on I didn't really look but he led me into this tent and as I looked down at the person holding my hand there was scar imprints in his hand and I looked up around the tent and there were photos hanging along the wall and it was photos of my entire life, my timeline. But it started with photos of my my mum with a bump. So it was starting from me in the womb. And it was a timeline of difficult moments, of highlight moments in my life. And in the pictures, there too was Jesus. And there was one of these pictures that I was looking at of a car and me lying on the back seat. And I knew in that moment that that was me at age 12 being rushed into the hospital with appendicitis and there was someone sat uh, kind of in the corner of the seat holding my hand and it was in that moment knew God you were there with me that your presence is exactly the same with me wherever I go whatever I'm experiencing there is no difference to your love you are an unchanging God whose love is the same who is the same yesterday today and forever, and it was this beautiful and amazing experience of tracking my life up until that point and seeing what God had been doing, where he had been moving in my life when he had either felt absent or I hadn't known him or they had been utter low moments of feeling like I was in a desert, feeling like I was in a valley, feeling like I was oppressed and attacked. Uh, and it Coming out of that experience and kind of heading back into to life, I then did a course called DNA. Some of you might be aware of that, but it was a discipleship year. Joe, Joe Craig is on it this year if you want to find out what it's like when you're presently on it. And it was over the course of this year that God again began to put more context to my life and I began to understand more what it meant for him to speak into seasons in the valley and seasons on the mountaintops. And it wasn't necessarily about voices of a, a strong audible voice going, here I am, this is what I'm doing. But those senses of his peace and his love were just as clear and, and just a, as clear a voice of God speaking as in the high top moments of maybe encountering a vision or hearing a prophecy or, in, or having a real tangible encounter with the love of God or with the word of God. 
And uh, it was on my DNA year that there was an album that was released by a lady called Stephanie Gretzinger called The Undoing. And there was one of the songs uh, she released that's quite quite small, so I'll read it to you. And the first verse starts like this. You've brought me to the end of myself, and this has been the longest road. Just when my hallelujah was tired, you gave me a new song. And hearing that song just completely encapsulated what I had felt my entire life up until that point had been. It it had been kind of an undoing and unravelling of walking through plenty of wilderness and dry seasons and feeling at times that God wasn't there, but in retrospect recognising the very presence of God in my life and that what he was doing was birthing something new in me. He was giving me a new song. He was giving me something new to speak about. Another encounter with his love to be able to go to the mountaintops and scream about. And it then says also in the song, you unwind me until I'm totally undone. And it was recognising in that place that I had to completely let go of me to be able to encounter the fullness of Christ. And so I don't know about you, but often in seasons of the wilderness and seasons of being in a desert place, one of the first things I often try to do is fix it or, or try and do it in my own strength. And God has had a very long journey with me of, re- of teaching me to, at the first point of call to go straight to him to do it in his strength and his strength alone to die to self that i might gain christ and this uh, leads me to conclude with the kind of last year and a half of my life i have almost entered and been in another valley and dry season but it's been marked and characterized by a very different thing because it's been marked and characterized by a very real and tangible sense of God's presence. It's probably been some of the hardest uh, experiences of my life as well. There have been understandably really difficult things in my life beforehand, such as mum dying and other uh, key family members dying. But in terms of where I am at in myself, where I was at in my soul and internally, it's probably been one of the hardest year and a half. But every step of the way... I have recognized where God has been with me. His word and the promises that he gives in his word have been made so true in my life. They've been things that I've had to hold to, to speak out, to pray through. But so too has uh, recognizing and encountering his presence and his love with me in these places. And it was back in May uh, 2018, which actually is quite a while ago now when I think about it. Um, Last decade, May 2018, I was in Farnham, uh, if many of you might know Farnham, about 20 minutes away, and there's a a network of churches called The Vineyard, and I was in the Farnham Vineyard Church there with two really close friends of mine, and we often gather maybe every few months to pray and worship together and, and just to kind of keep blessing each other. And so it was just us three in this building, kind of similar size to this, but we were sat in the middle with our guitars, and we were just worshipping, and we were, we were praying to God. And I began singing out this line, unravel me, come have your way. Didn't think anything of it, but it was just kind of a complete spontaneous moment. And literally from that point, things just went downhill. It was like hit, hitting wall after wall, uh, feeling drained, 
daily just like I have no energy to do this God what on earth is this coming my way and he said well do you remember what you prayed at Farnham Vineyard I was like what on earth are you talking about I, no, I, no I don't he went well it was when you were sat there with the guitars what did you sing out I, like, I, I don't really know he went well you said unravel me come have your way do you want me to do that I was like oh oh okay right bit of a dangerous and risky prayer but I was like if anyone's going to have me in this, it's you. So, so yes, God. And it was from that point he gave me a few verses to, to Alice and myself. And he was saying that it's a time to retreat, a time to come back to the ranch, which is where that picture of the good old American ranch is. And it was about coming back to that place of home with God, spending time with him again. And I don't know if uh, many of you know kind of the Roman setup with the army but he also showed us a picture of I don't know what you would call that but the the formation the there we go the turtle formation of the of the Romans but it was mine and Alice's head just stuck up in the middle and he was like you've been unprotected you, you you've you kind of been a little bit stuck out and it's time just to retreat back to the ranch retreat back to camp so you're you're out of the the firing zone at the moment and then the other words he gave me um, was about come and sit on the porch with me and it was the, the image he gave was this real stereotypical American style porch not too dissimilar to that and he was sat on one rocking chair and he said you spent so much of the last couple of years out there in the town while I've been sat here on the porch He's like, you can go make that cake, you can go fix that car, whatever it might look like, but I'm here, and we're going to do the things together. And, and it was a time of coming back to that place with God, coming back into the presence, and realizing that what God was saying is when the problems come onto the porch, when something comes on, on here, I'm here to deal with it with you. We're here to do it together. But if you're out there doing it, you're on your own at the moment because that's not where I am. And it has been the mark of this last season for me to encounter God in plenty of highs in this as well, but plenty of lows, plenty of valleys, but recognizing where God has been at, where he's been sat with me the whole time on the porch, back at home, in the safety of the Father's love, which can be the riskiest place to be as well. And it's been a place of relearning relationship I'll leave it there. So one of the things that I really felt that God was doing today was he was just wanting to reaffirm to all of us, to myself again, that literally matters not what the situation we are in. Yes, for us, that's difficult if it's not a great situation. Or it can be absolutely amazing if it is. His presence and his love is exactly the same, whatever it is that we face and some people have prayed already this morning, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but saying actually it's not about the problem, it's about we want to look up to you God, we want to look to to the author of it all. And this has been the marker of my season and it's the thing that I really feel God is landing for us today, is that whatever it is that we are facing, wherever it is we are encountering difficulty and challenge, but also wherever it is that we are seeing incredible growth and favour, God is there. God is in it all for us. His presence doesn't change. His love doesn't change. His character 
and his goodness doesn't change. We just need to recognize him there. And Molly shared this morning while we were praying the verse from Romans, and I, I think it's right for us to to close with that before before we enter a time of worship again. So Marion and Alison, if I can invite you up, and Molly, if you would be happy to. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father God, we just thank you that you are sovereign. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we give you the praise. We give you the thanks for what you've done in Jack's life. We just thank you that you are building him into a strong soldier of yours. And Lord, we want you to do that for all of us, wherever we are in life, whether we're at the beginning, whether we're in the middle, whether we're nearing the end. Lord, you know, and nothing will separate us from your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.